0: hi everyone i don't know what i just did <laughs> it's like very weird. sassy <laughs> that was like my mental weird hand gesture thing hi everyone and welcome to episode 212 of the professional book nerds podcast presented by overdrive this is jill hi adam hello how are you i'm great this is our fourth intro in a row i'm still great i'm great that's yeah we that's two weeks we just recorded two weeks worth. two weeks worth of introductions yeah yeah so got if you're listening to this We've recorded, well, of course, we record this in the past, but way in the past. So, um, and this is a big one. This is, we're talking about the Big Library Read. This is a big one. Yeah. So, Big Library Read, for those of you who maybe are new to the program or the podcast or Overdrive or anything in general, uh, Big Library Read is our global ebook club. So, there's going to be about 20,000 libraries all together that. Um, They have the same title available right on the front of their Overdrive website or on Libby, their app. Um, And you can borrow it without any wait lists or holds or anything like that. And you can join our discussion on BigLibraryRead.com. And it goes for about two weeks. It starts on April 2nd and then goes until April 16th, I believe. Uh, All that information is on BigLibraryRead.com. And the title is Flat Broke with Two Goats by Jennifer Magaha. And I'm just realizing you didn't take part in this interview with me. I did not. So I should have made you do all that part that I just, because I'm going to have to talk about the interview now. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. Sorry, you guys (laughs) are getting a lot of my voice. Okay, so I spoke with Jennifer. Uh, We talk a lot about the book, obviously, but we also, we talk a lot about goats. Um, She lives in a hundred year old um, kind of homestead cabin in the woods in the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, And she lives there with her husband and a bunch of goats. At time of writing, she had two, I think, because now she has many goats. We talk about those goats and basically just her life and why she ended up in this cabin and how she ended up being there and and what her life is like. And it's very interesting. We talk a lot about food. Uh, We talk about Asheville, North Carolina, which is a place I have been to because it's a a wonderful city Um, and all sorts of stuff. And so, yeah, if... You are interested. Like I said, be sure to go to your library's website on April second. This will be the book you'll see like front and center. So about twenty thousand libraries uh, participate, and we have hundreds of thousands of people that will borrow this title. So you'll definitely be a part of a, a big community. Um, yeah, and then go to biglibrary.com com. We have a discussion board there, and um, also if you use the oh god I remember this if you use the hashtag biglibraryread um, and tweet out pictures of you reading the book or if you happen to come across any goats that you know any goats in your life um or just anything about your you know in in, any interaction you want to use the hashtag big library read because we're giving away a bunch of kobo aura ones thanks to our friends at kobo so um all that information is on biglibrary.com our events team will be very happy that i said biglibrary.com like 75 times now (laughs) Congratulations. Thanks. Good job. Uh-huh. So if you um, want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, I write that down. Instagram mm-hmm. and Twitter mm-hmm. at ProBookNerds. And you can email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. Yes, you can. You can email us and get um, book recommendations, but you'll also find more book recommendations after you read this book at BigLibraryRead.com. So uh anything else that you can think people should know about big library read or anything else like that no okay oh there's also an audiobook version so oh, you can listen you to go. it as well if you're a more of an audiobook person i listen to the audiobook it's very good um okay that's it i think awesome well i hope you guys enjoy this big library read edition of the professional book nerds podcast with Jennifer McGaha. And me, and I already said the Professional Book Nerds podcast, so here it is one more time. Enjoy, guys. Hi, everyone, it's Adam again, and today I am joined by Jennifer Magaha, the author of Flat Broke with Two Goats which was selected as the Big Library Read for this April by all of our readers around the world. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Big Library Read, it is a program that runs from April 2nd through April 16th, and all of the participating libraries, which is going to be about 20,000 of them around the world, will have Jennifer's book right front and center on their Overdrive uh, digital collection. So you can go in, you can borrow that book, there's not going to be any wait lists or holds or anything like that, You can read this fantastic memoir, and then you can go to biglibraryread.com and join our conversation and all sorts of fun stuff. So that's how Big Library Read works, and to get some more information about the actual book, we're going to talk to Jennifer. So thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, so can you get us started by maybe giving some people a little bit of an introduction to your book?
1: Sure. Sure. In um 2012 I think it was um, we lost our home to foreclosure. We had lived in a pretty conventional house up until that point point. and when we lost our home we we had the opportunity to rent this cabin out in the woods um, and it was on fifty three beautiful acres but it was a in pretty bad shape it was a uh, hundred years old and and had some um, challenges. (laughs) And so we moved, um, to that cabin and, and began this whole new life of farming and, um, homesteading that we hadn't exactly planned on, um, having, but, but it turned out to be a good thing in the long run.
0: I have to tell you, I know that you, that was like the world's most just like Underscoring, like, oh, there were some some difficulties and things like that. The the (laughs) book is so great, and in the book you do go into you know your you know obvious frustrations now and then with with the things that were going on in your life. But I have to tell you, just your attitude overall throughout reading this story is just like it seems like it's one of those things where you you guys kind of accepted like, okay, this has to be done, and there's no one else to do it, so we're just gonna dive in head first. So. What was the transition like going from, you know, what people would think of as, like, a suburban home to one that is decidedly not?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't always easy. And there were moments when, you know, I really questioned that choice, but we didn't have a lot of other choices. So you either dive in and 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 do it or you don't, you know, in that situation. We didn't have... um you know, it's not like we had 20 choices and we chose that one. <laughs> um, so, but we had, some of the biggest challenges were the the water in the house. We didn't, um, the water ran into the creek. It came out of a spring and ran into the creek. And so we needed to to put in a water purifier. So we used, we found one that uses UV rays. So we did that. We didn't have a water heater and we had a wood boiler that we used to heat the water and to heat the majority of the house. So so those were a couple of the challenges that took some adjusting to, particularly the hot water situation.
0: <laughs> so I, yeah, hot water is something I, I cherish my hot showers. So God bless you guys. <laughs> uh, it's just, so I'm curious, like with your upbringing and, and your husband's upbringing, did either of you have any background at all in some of the tasks that you take on? Because there's, there's things in the book, and, and we'll get to in a little bit, but like, you guys raise chickens, seemingly never having owned chickens before, and you eventually add goats to the mix. I'm like, did you and your husband have any background in, in basically farming and, and homesteading like this at all?
1: No, no, absolutely none. But it's amazing what you can learn on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. It's something my forebears didn't have. Now, my, my great-grandparents, were homesteaders and my grandparents grew up on farms. So I did grow up hearing their stories, but, um, but I grew up in, in just a conventional neighborhood, upper middle-class neighborhood. So, um, so I didn't personally have any of that experience, but we read a lot. Um, we used, we went to a lot of blogs, um, and read what other people had to say. There's great advice out there. And when something happened and we didn't know what to do, we would just Watch a YouTube video. Like, how do you clean a chicken vent? Um, if the chicken has a blocked vent, you know? Um, and you can watch that on YouTube, amazingly enough.
0: <laughs> there, there really is YouTube for ba- literally anything that happens in our house now. My wife's like, well, should we call someone? And I'm like, well, let me look in you on YouTube first. And then I, <laughs> then I usually fail with whatever the thing I'm supposed to be fixing is. And then we call someone. But you can, if you're patient enough, you can absolutely find pretty much everything you need out there. Yes, yes, um so, like I mentioned, you you know you guys talked about wanting to add chickens to have your own eggs, and that, to me makes sense. I have friends who own chickens and and that I get, and I happen to live around some places that there are farms, and while goats are adorable, I am curious what made you guys want to add goats to kind of the family. <laughs>
1: yeah goats are a whole different ball game than chickens, right We thought, oh the chickens are easy. Let's just get some goats, but but goats goats are complicated um but I had always wanted goats when I was growing up. um I read Heidi, I love the goats in Heidi, and I fancied myself a heidi type and so we had the land we lived on fifty three acres, so we had plenty of land to have goats and we we wanted to use the milk. We wanted to make cheese. We wanted to have yogurt. And so, um, and, and I think, so those are some of the surface reasons. I think on a deeper level, we just really, it was part of the healing process to, um, try to find joy in our circumstances, um, uh, because there was so much frustration and it was a moment, it, it was a way of just, kind of getting away from the stress of our old lives and embracing this new life that we had
0: so can you maybe describe to people the process of finding and acquiring goats because you know if you're looking for a puppy you can find breeders pretty easily so what is the process for for locating and and deciding to purchase goats
1: Oh um, well, Craigslist is my (laughs) other. I'll do a plug for YouTube and Craigslist. We have found all of our goats on Craigslist, and we've learned a lot in the process. But um, um, we read about the different breeds. We figured out what kind we wanted, um, and you have to have a really secure fence to really, you know, before you ever bring them home. There's a section in the book about when we first brought our first few goats home, that two of them ran away. They got Mm -hmm. out of the fence and we thought the fence was secure, but it, it wasn't secure enough for a goat. They're very smart and they're very, um, tricky and they can just figure their way out of something you think might be secure. So, um, we, once we knew what kind of breed we wanted and, and we, we just would look online and we would go and talk to farmers and, um, find out you know you we wanted to know if they had had certain vaccines and how they had been treated and you know we went to look at them to see if they looked healthy and all that kind of stuff so
0: i i have to so first off i have to say if people are listening to this obviously they're interested in in the book and participating in big library read and so just to add an added bonus for people if they go on your website, which is just jennifermagaha.com, you have a bunch of pictures. And I think goat, baby goats are a very underrated, adorable animal. Like, they, I can't stop. I haven't been <laughs> <laughs> able to stop looking at them all week.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, they're so cute. They are, I mean, they're precious.
0: So how many of them are there now? Cause it, I know the book is called Flat Broke with Two Goats, but you don't end the book with two goats. I'm not giving anything away there, but how many do you guys have in the family now?
1: We have ten and we have different kinds. We have about three different kinds. We have Nigerian dwarfs, we have La Mancha's, and we have, um, a couple of Sanans. And so, and we mix the milk from those goats when we're making cheese.
0: So. Okay. That was actually going to be my question is, so I'm assuming that the, the difference is probably the same as like with dogs, like the, the size and how they look and things like that. Is that, you know, kind of,
1: What's yeah that? and i and I think temperament just like with dogs, so Nigerian' dwarfs tend to be kind of feisty and temperamental, and I think ours um the the first female Nigerian dwarf that we got is was especially temperamental, so she's but but I respect that about her you know it's it's adorable <laughs> um but she's super feisty and kind of contrary and difficult to milk um but Nigerian dwarfs have a higher percentage of milk fat than the other goats. So if you can get them and you have the patience to milk them, it can, you know, make your cheese better because you can mix that milk with the other milk. Mm-hmm. So, so they're in the La Mancha's at, at least our La Mancha that we have is, is, a wonderful mother. She's very gentle and soulful and, um, um, and the Sanas are just spirited and fun. So, you know, there's, we do kind of see those breed traits. Now, whether that's true for everyone, I don't know, but for us, that, that's that been true.
0: I have to tell you, one of my favorite parts of the book is, and you kind of just did it just here, is the way you describe these animals. I am a massive animal lover. My wife and I have two big dogs. And so hearing you describe these animals, the goats and your dogs and your chickens and hearing you describe all of them and giving them these personalities, it just makes me so happy because I feel like a lot of times people just say, oh, I live on a farm, and they just assume, oh, well, there's cows and there's goats and that it is what it is. But I love that you, you know, it's clear that you guys love these animals and you've made them a part of your life just by the way you're describing them. I mean, it sounds like they're very much family members here.
1: They are, which can be hard sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because even the chickens, I think chickens, um, people don't quite give chickens um credit for having different personalities or different traits um and um and we have well we're down to I think we have maybe 11 chickens now we started with 27 5 years ago and you know every time we've lost one we've been sad um we they're just for the eggs we don't eat them so you know um we've lost some over the years just by happenstance. But um but that is a it's a really fun part of farming for us is to to realize that these animals are soulful beings, um and to um sort of contemplate our interconnectedness um with the natural world.
0: Uh, do the animals all get along really well? I mean I know that the goats have kind of their own space, but I'm just imagining my visual and my Weimariner meeting a goat and just being very <laughs> confused. So do your like goats and your dogs do they all kinda coexist?
1: Well, no. The dog the, the goats are in a fence, so so the dogs don't get in. Mm-hmm. One one dog got in one time and <laughs> um and, and was mightily kicked by a goat. Oh. So oh, Yeah, no. we don't have um you know some people have guard dogs in with the goats and we have not done that yet we've thought about it because we do live where there are we've never seen a coyote on our property but, but we hear them in the distance and I think the fact that we do have dogs on the property kind of keeps the wild animals at bay right. but um, but no the, the the goats and chickens get along great um, and the bucks uh, we have two bucks right now and we keep the bucks separate from the girls um, and um, and the dogs are, are, are loose on the property, so most of the time.
0: <laughs> um, so going through, you know, everything with, you know, managing this house and having all these different animals and taking care of them and just, you know, normal living your own lives and, and all that stuff. And then also, you know, working and things. I, I'm curious, I know that you you know, teach writing, but how did you find the time to write this book or rather kind of maybe what was your writing process like?
1: Um, well, I actually, when I was writing the book, I, I had, I had been teaching as an adjunct for many years and, Mm -hmm. and I write about that in the book about, um, kind of the state of adjuncts in our country right now and and what that adjunct life is like. And I had just decided that I, I needed to do something different. It was just going nowhere. And so, I I stopped teaching and enrolled in an MFA program at Vermont College of Fine Arts. And so, when I started the program, I started the book and worked with a mentor. And at the end of the first year, I had finished it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it was really just part of school, you know? Every yeah. month, I turned in a packet, 30, 30 creative pages until until it was a book. Hmm. So I, I was fortunate in to have that time that was really just set aside for that. And so that was really mostly what I was doing in that year. I may have taught a couple of writing workshops on the side, um, but, but that was mainly what I was doing.
0: I really like that idea from a writing standpoint of, you know, forgetting the fact that you had so much to do in your life, but just as like a person coming from it as an aspiring writer... Just instead of saying, I need to tackle this novel, saying, okay, 30 creative pages each month, you know, it's, you can boil it down to like, if I can write a page a day, I can get a book in, you know, however many months. That's a, that's a really good way of going about that. I like that.
1: Well, and you know, and sometimes even that seemed overwhelming, but I would think, okay, that's a page a day, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and even the busiest person can, can usually fit in a page a day. Um, and I don't really work that way, but I know people who do. If they just write one page a day, and at the end of the month they have their thirty pages. For me, I kind of need to put out a draft, a full draft, and mm-hmm. then go back and refine. But 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 it really is manageable when you break it down into the chunks like that.
0: Um, so I want to talk about food as a whole, because the way you describe food in this is fantastic. And I have to tell you, I, after this book and it's, and what I am sure will be a lot of success, I'm going to recommend you do a cookbook next because the the things. That would be fun. I know. I'm, I mean, I'm telling you, I, first off, you know, like Southern Carolina food is fantastic. But I'm curious, like what are your favorite things to cook? Because you talk a lot of a lot about food in here and I like would my stomach would be growling while I was reading this book. So what are some of the things and especially you know if you want to talk about any recipes with goat's milk, but like what are some of the things that you enjoy cooking most?
1: Oh, uh, thank you for saying that. Um I I really like cooking things where there's a wide margin of error. <laughs> so so you're not gonna I, I'm not really a souffle sort of person. And where we are now, also, our stove is not incredible. So um, so I don't do a lot of baked goods. I do things more like soups and stews and those kinds of things where you throw a bunch of stuff in a pot on Sunday afternoon, and you have a hot meal on Sunday night, and then it just kind of keeps um, giving during the week. So the taco soup that I... The recipe that's in the book mm-hmm. is something we have quite a bit, um, and other there's a carrot soup that I make that I that we like a lot um, what else um, there's a pasta fagioli um, recipe that I make in my crock pot that we enjoy a lot so they're not really fancy things they're hearty dishes um, and which is great when when you live in a cabin in the woods and you need to you know um, <laughs> You're farming all day, and you come in, and you just want to heat something up, you know, and you have leftovers. So And, and my children are all grown now, just my husband and me. So so um, we eat a lot of leftovers during the week.
0: I have to tell you, there is absolutely a market for that. I live in Cleveland, where we are now experiencing our, like, sixth month of winter. So hearty oh, wow. crock pot meals is exactly the types of things. I'm telling you. People would absolutely buy that. I would. I would be first in line if you're gonna go ahead and make a. uh, If you make a cookbook, I'll be there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. Six months of winter is a really long time. It's a lot. lot Soup.
0: Uh, it's a (laughs) lot. Honestly, like when when the end of fall gets here right around like the end of October I'm so excited like the leaves change and it's beautiful here and I'm like yeah winter Thanksgiving and Christmas it's gonna be wonderful and then February rolls around (laughs) and like the like world has been gray for three months and you're just like uh it's it's real it's unrelenting it's tough to get through but that's okay it makes the summer months here that much more worth it. (laughs)
1: Uh, I guess you really appreciate it when it happens. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to anyway.
0: Um, okay, what I want to ask you a little bit about, I know you you referenced Asheville a little bit, and I actually, I went there on a vacation with some friends, and it was probably my favorite city I've ever been to. Um, so can you maybe tell some people, because it's not the most convenient place to get to from somewhere else in the country, but what is it about the city of Asheville that, that you are such a fan of?
1: Well, you know, Asheville has changed things. So much in the last 20, 25 years. Um, Asheville is the closest city to where we are. So, I mean, there's small towns around, but, but we're about 40 minutes outside of Asheville. Mm-hmm. So, whenever, um, I, I use, I have worked in Asheville mainly, and when I am, that, when we go to dinner, when we go out, that's where we go. So, um, Asheville has a great, uh, craft beer scene. Yes, they do. And, um, it is just, we, we beat Portland one year and then we beat Portland the next year and the next year for Beer City USA, I Mm -hmm. think is the title. And we just got, there was just this explosion of visitors coming for the craft beer, maybe before then, but certainly after that. Um, so, and we also have, um, some, some really talented chefs who we have several James Beard nominees, um, every year. We have a few this year. I was just reading about that the other day. Okay. Um, and the outdoor scene is great. The, um, mountain biking is great. The hiking, the music scene is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge music fan. Um, and, a, um, there's a lot of, um, well, the culture is very, um, bohemian laid back back to the land movement is huge Uh in this area so um so there's a lot yeah there's a lot to love about Asheville. it's crowded in the summer um
0: yeah so i was wondering uh, what a great
1: time to visit yeah
0: i was yeah especially i'm ready to get out of here and and come on down i was wondering what adjective you're going to use for the for the culture around there i think bohemian is perfect Um, it's funny you mentioned like the, the Beer City USA thing. Cause actually that was how we discovered it because Cleveland also happens to be one of the top beer cities in the country. And, um, a few years back when we went to Asheville, it, Cleveland was ranked number one in one of those lists. And I was looking at it and the second one was Asheville and I have some friends who work at breweries and we just decided like, let's take a road trip. And when we decided on Asheville, it was just, I don't think I've ever ate or drank better for four days that i if people have the ability to get to Asheville, it is so much fun i highly recommend and there you said the music scene there is literally music on every single quarter it's so much fun yeah
1: yeah every night really every night of the week but it sounds like i need to come to cleveland as well
0: so yeah just not in march you'll you'll if you if you want to come in like the beginning of october it's beautiful and the weather is great but this time of year it's just kind of sad
1: Okay, okay. I'll put it on the calendar for October.
0: <laughs> um, so, we are a library company, and obviously, the Big Library Read is a, a library book club program. So, I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on libraries or if you have any memories of libraries from when you were growing up or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always loved libraries. They're, they're such magical places, right? And they're mm-hmm. places where you can you go in and you're you're transported to other places so i've i've always loved that literature as a as a way of of going inside someone else's head or um going to a place that you haven't been and um a way of traveling um and 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 i love that that anybody can do that it's not um, an exclusive thing um, in, in in a public library. So, um, yeah, we that was always that we we all. I grew up with books. I grew up with tons of books and regularly going to the library. And, and my kids grew up going to the library all the time. And one of my favorite memories um, is not of me as a kid, but is of my son mm-hmm. when we we checked a book out from one of the local libraries, and it was time to return the book, and he sat in the car holding the book. <laughs> He must have been about four, maybe four or five. I don't know. Maybe, maybe even more like seven, somewhere in that age range. <laughs> but he held the book and just sobbed, just sobbed. And I just had to pry it from his arm. And, um, yeah, it was, I finally ordered it for him because he just had to have the book. Um, and, and, but, um, it, it really can change the course of your life to, um, to read and to, to go outside of, of the, the small world that we all experience on a daily basis.
0: So when you do have a few minutes of free time now and then, uh, what are some of the types of books that you like to read?
1: I read a lot of memoir, uh, unsurprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love people's true stories, which is not to say that I don't love fiction or that fiction isn't true, but I especially love, um when i think i like that people at, memoir writers are trying to make sense of of true experiences so that you kind of get to see them doing that in the writing through the writing mm-hmm. so um um one of my favorite books right now is maggie nelson's bluets which some people call that poetry some people call it um I, I've heard it called other things, lyric essays, um, but um, but I love to feel as I'm reading to see her making sense of her experiences. So, um,
0: so, so through your re, uh, your creative writing classes and you know all the the writing that you've done in the past, do you tend to lean towards like memoir and and nonfiction types of things just because of the the comfort level that, you know, you're reading all of them and kind of more making sense of it, or have you ever sort of dabbled in, in fiction writing?
1: No, I really haven't done fiction writing and, or, or taught it. I do, um, I I do tend to lean toward nonfiction. I, but I do like essay collections as well, not just memoir. I love, um, historical nonfiction, I Mm -hmm. guess. Um, and like Eric Larson, for yeah. example, I love his work. So, I think if I if I wrote something else, it might be something more along the lines of essays. And and I love poetry as well. So, mm-hmm. um,
0: So, towards the end of our episodes, we like to ask our authors uh, nine questions that we call the Nerd Nine. They're very lighthearted; nothing too crazy here. Um, so, the first one is: What's the last book you finished reading?
1: Oh um what you are getting wrong about Appalachia by Elizabeth Cat
0: Do you have a favorite place to read
1: My front porch uh,
0: do you remember the book that made you fall in love with reading
1: The Dr Seuss sleep book <gasps> Oh
0: woman <laughs> after my woman after my own heart I have a Dr Seuss <laughs> quoted tattoo on my body so I very much appreciate that
1: Oh, I haven't considered that.
0: I need to do that. Hey, listen, if you need help with literary tattoos, I'm your man. I have several of them. I'll be happy to help.
1: Wow. Dr. Seuss is just the best.
0: Yeah. um, Okay, so what is one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to? Ireland. Do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate?
1: (laughs) Um... I love Thanksgiving. I almost said St. Patrick's Day, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Thanksgiving. It, it, it's because it's so food centered. Mm -hmm.
0: I completely agree. Um, are you a coffee person or a tea person? Coffee. Uh, normally we ask cats or dogs, but I feel like I should ask cats or dogs or goats for, with you.
1: Oh, I can never choose. (laughs) Never. Um, I love, I love all of them. We have new, we have two new kittens now too, so. Uh I'm obsessed with them, but um, I love them all for all different reasons.
0: That's I. W- I won't make you choose I, you above all people we've ever had on. I will not make choose you. You have a brood there, so I will not. I will not make you choose. Um, <laughs> do you have a favorite food?
1: Well, I love ice cream. It's it's one of my biggest vices, and I'll, I, I've tried to quit it over and over. <laughs> I'll tell you that I'm I'm quitting. And this is it. This is my last carton of ice cream. <laughs> And then I go about two days and I'm like, you know, you only <laughs> live once.
0: <laughs> uh, I completely agree. And then the last one of these is if you could have dinner with one person alive or dead, who would you pick? Mm. I always get yelled at for this one.
1: I'm think I'm thinking too long. I can't um one person alive or dead. I hmm. Michelle Obama.
0: That's a good one. Oh, that's really good. I think one other person has said that, and I completely agree. That would be amazing. Um, Okay, last question for you, Jennifer. What do you hope readers take away from reading Flatbroke with Two Goats?
1: I think that, you know, not everyone has financial problems. Not everyone um, loses their home, but everyone goes through hard things and hard things in their marriages, the hard things in life. And I think that, um, I hope that people know that we're often more resilient than we think we are and that, that, um, that we can survive. Most things are survivable. Mm -hmm. That's
0: perfect. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Readers can
0: sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book.